You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Go to riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here's today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. All right, we're about to watch a video clip about what it might be like for Mary if she lived today and what she experienced, Mary Jesus' mother. When it comes to being a pastor and sharing messages and stuff like that, I pray about stuff and a lot of times God puts things on my heart. Like uh, years ago, before we came here to start the church, I was praying for a church name and River and Rock were not on the radar at all. And I prayed about it and God put it on my heart and I laughed. I'm like, what? I said, the river doesn't look that great and farmers hate rocks. So how does that work? But anyway, uh, prayed about it and felt that's what we were supposed to call the church. So we did. We named it River Rock Church. God put that on my heart. God puts other things on my heart at different times. And God put a message on my heart to share with you about serving like Joseph and Mary, helping to encourage you to be available to serve like Joseph and Mary. God put it on my heart. So I hope that what I have to say to you is encouraging. But watch this video clip. As long as I can remember, we'd been waiting for the Messiah to come for us. My family, our tribe, our whole nation. I always knew that he'd come, but, <laughs> well, let's be honest. It's not like I'm from Jerusalem or someplace special. I'm just a girl from Nazareth. And everybody knows that not much good comes from Nazareth, never has. Angel had come to the wrong house with his announcement. But if that's what God wanted, well, who was I to tell him he was wrong? And Joseph, well, God bless that wonderful man. He could have joined in with everybody else. He could have had me sent away. He could have even had me killed. But he just never broke the promise to marry me. And so when he had to go to Bethlehem for the census, I was honored to ride by his side. Even with heartburn and bloated cankles and nine months of pregnancy behind me. <laughs> you know those women who try different things to induce labor, like going on frequent walks or eating spicy foods? What they should do is go on a bumpy 70-mile trip to Bethlehem not long after I got there, and I'd never done this myself, but even I knew it was time. And with every wave of pain, I tried to ignore the fact that my family wouldn't be there to help me, and that I'd be bringing this baby into the world without the familiarity of home. But when Jesus finally came, I forgot all of that, though. I just wrapped him in cloths and tried to make the most comfortable bed I could for him with the only thing I had, which was an animal's feeding trough. Joseph said I should have been sleeping then, but I couldn't stop staring at him. angel had told me about 
My heart was so full, I couldn't even find words big enough to express it. I know I'm not the first young mother to bring a child into this world. It's always been that way. But as I look down at my son, My redeemer. I knew that he would change everything because he had already changed me. All right, so we're going to look in, our, in the Bible at uh, Luke chapter 1. It'll be on the screen. In the Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, How can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but now she is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. And that is so huge that Mary hears this and she says, yes, I'm available. Yes, I want to do whatever you want me to do, God. Yes, I am your servant. And however you want to use me, I want to be used by you. Nobody knows how old Mary was. She's young, but what is young? I mean, nobody knows. Was she a teenager? Was she a little older? Was she younger? And it's hard to put into context in our culture, in our day, you know, that God would come upon a young girl and make her pregnant. And I believe in the news right now, there's a University of Mankato professor who tweeted something about how wrong that was of God to force himself upon Mary and take advantage of her and all this crazy stuff. And that is not what happened here at all. So the angel said, this is the opportunity. And she said, yes, I want to do that. Yes, let that be so. Yes, may the Lord do with your servant whatever you want. And I'm sure that she knew that the Messiah was going to come, but didn't know how that was going to happen. And she said yes to something that she didn't have all the details on. I mean, how her big question wasn't like Zechariah um, in the passage before when told that Elizabeth is going to have a baby. He's like, well, how can I know that this is really going to happen because I'm old? And the angel's like, wrong answer. Now you're going to be silent until the baby's born. I'm an angel. You should trust me. But Mary's not like, how, is, how can I be sure this is going to happen? She's more concerned about the mechanics of it, thinking, okay. I've never been with a man before. How does this happen? And the angel's like, 
going to be okay. God's got it taken care of. And that needed to be that way so that Jesus would be born into the world without the sinful heritage lineage of sinful man. And so you'd think, I wonder what Mary looked like. I wonder what kind of character Mary had. I wonder the type of person that Mary was for the God of the universe to look over all of the people, all of the girls, all of the women available to have a baby and to choose Mary. What was it about Mary? The Bible really doesn't say all the details. It doesn't say all the details about her upbringing, about her parents, about how she knew about Scripture. In her song that you can read about a little further on in the chapter, she quotes a bunch of Bible passages, maybe even 10 of them. And so on one hand, the Holy Spirit could have just put it in her, put it in her heart and she could have you know, said that because the Holy Spirit was working through her. But maybe she knew a lot about God's Word. Maybe she knew a lot about Scripture. But the thing that was really amazing is that she needed to be prepared and ready for what God was going to do at that moment. There wasn't a training period. There wasn't a competition. There wasn't a sign-up. The angel came to her and chose her. And a lot of times in our lives, when God chooses us to do things, we need to be ready. We need to be prepared. He gives us the opportunity because of the life that we're living, because of the things that we're doing, because of the things that are in our past. Sometimes even bad stuff in our past, but usually the stuff in our past that's helped us to become more ready. I mean, when we spend time in God's Word, when we spend time growing in Him, when we spend time sharing our faith and living the Christian life, then God is more likely to use us to do great things for God. I don't know really any Christian who lives their life and never comes to the point that says, I want to do something significant for God. I want to be used by God in this life. I want Him to use my life somehow. And that doesn't mean that you get rid of your career and just go off to a third world country to become a missionary, though some do. It doesn't mean that you just give up on all of your interests and hobbies and just focus on street preaching, though some do. Uh, what it means is that when God puts things on your heart and calls you to do things, that you say, I'm your servant, I'm willing to follow you in that, and trust him for the details, trust him to uh, provide the resources, trust him as you go on. So number one, joy comes from being used by God. Joy comes from being used by God. If you want to experience joy, some of the greatest joy is when God uses you. So when God uses you to share your faith with someone, when you're talking to your friend and tell them about how you've come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how Christ has saved you, and then they're like, what must I do to be saved? And then they get saved and they're growing in the Lord. That creates joy in you, creates joy in them, and it also creates joy in heaven. Luke 15, 7, in the same way there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Great joy comes when people come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, when they're adopted as children of God, when they, when they bow the knee, when they are set free from their sinful past and have a new future with the Lord. And so joy comes by being used by God. 1 Peter 1.8 says, You love Him, even though you've never seen Him. Though you do not see Him now, you trust Him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting Him will be the salvation of your souls. So as we're growing in Christ, we have joy. As we are experiencing Christ, we have joy. As we're serving Christ and growing Christ, we have joy. 
Now, I know that sometimes when you're like in a Bible reading plan and you're learning like theology and stuff like that, that sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it doesn't always seem joyful because it doesn't always make you feel comfortable or happy. Sometimes it's a struggle. I know that uh, when I first started reading theology books when I was in Bible college, I went to my pastor mentor and I said, I think I have a problem. He's like, well, what's your problem? I said, I'm not extremely theological like whoever wrote this book is. He's like, well, what do you mean? I said, I don't, I'm not like mowing my lawn and then I have these thoughts about God that's presented in this theology book. I've never even thought to ask the question. I don't even know people who ask questions like this. And he's like, that's okay because God has chosen a few people to be theologians and to come up with the questions and come up with the answers. And then he's chosen a lot of us like pastors and other people then to proclaim what the question and the answers are to think it through, to give us a systematic theology, tying the whole Bible together. So God has chosen a few to do that work, and he's chosen a lot of us to be the proclaimers of that. So don't worry if you are not thinking some of those deep theological questions like when you're mowing the lawn. So, but be faithful to proclaim the information that God gives you. Being used by God doesn't mean that you have to know everything. Being used by God doesn't mean that you have to be perfect in every way. But what it is, is it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I have never personally seen Jesus Christ. I would even know what I would do if I did. I think that could be awesome, but maybe scary. I don't really know because he's so holy and pure. But I have experienced him because when Jesus Christ came into my life, he transformed me. He changed me. Certain things in my life totally changed other things uh, were a process to fix. But one thing, when I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, on that very day, I quit swearing. Nobody told me to stop swearing. I just, my heart changed and I quit swearing. Other things too, uh, actually, I stopped cheating in school too. I didn't need to cheat. It was just convenient. Um, actually, it wasn't convenient though in ninth grade algebra because half the answers were in the back of the book and half the answers were available from my friends. So when it came time for the final, the teacher made me sit right up front next to him. And I had to take algebra over again because I couldn't get enough answers there. But it's all right. But God changed my heart. And God changes our hearts. And we experience Jesus Christ. So though I've never seen him, I've experienced him. And I know he's at work in my life. It's not, it's, it's real. It's true. The Bible is true. And I'm staking my life on it, investing my life in it. And I can't wait for the day when we come face to face with Jesus, and I hope that he says, well, good, well done, good and faithful servant. You followed my plan, and I was able to use you. That would be awesome. Joy comes from being used by God. Number two, Mary was ready to serve the Lord. When she was called, she was ready at that time to serve the Lord. Jesus replied in Luke 4, 8, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And in Matthew 23, 11, it says the greatest among you must be a servant, and she was ready to be a servant of God. Can you imagine what the, the shame, the difficulty that she went through being pregnant without being married in that culture? That was a shameful thing. Can you imagine thinking that you are going to be the mom to the Savior of the world, to the Messiah? Who has confidence for that? I mean, how, how do you raise a totally perfect, sinless kid? I mean, on one hand, you might think it would be easy, but on the other hand, what kind of questions might that kid ask? And then as far as spiritual maturity and being highly favored by God, I mean, what kind of girl was this? What kind of parenting program did her parents do? How did she get to this point that out of all of the women 
that were available, God chose her. She's extremely special in every way. Someday, uh, in eternity, it would be great to uh, meet her. I bet she has a very highly esteemed place in heaven. So, uh, but Mary was ready to serve the Lord. And we need to be ready to serve the Lord. Are you ready now? Are you re- have you been in preparation all your life to be ready for God to use you to whatever He calls you to do? And it might not be something like everybody that will take notice. You know, maybe it's not that you get on a plane and go to South America and change the world. Maybe it's you, re- you get enough courage and you go to your school and you share Christ with some of your friends, some of the popular ones that you don't want to lose their friendship, and you're bold about your faith in Christ. Or maybe it's your boss. I mean, nobody wants to share Christ with their boss because they're, what if he doesn't like it? What if I lose my job? But if the Holy Spirit puts it on your heart, you should do what you can to live for Christ, to proclaim Christ, to be a witness for Christ. Matthew 20, 28, Jesus said, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Mary was going to give her whole life to raise up Jesus and to live a life that was revolving around Jesus. And she was prepared for it. And do what you can now to become prepared for whatever it is that God has for you tomorrow or next week or next month or next year to be in that preparation process to keep growing and keep learning. Scripture memory is actually really helpful too so that you have the Word of God in your mind, on your heart, it's quick to get to your lips so you can share it with others. If you want to be effective at serving the Lord, you should be spending time with the Lord. Praying is talking to God, and a lot of times you just need to talk to Him about the things that you desire, the things that you're afraid of, the things that you hope for, and ask Him, how can you use me? What could I be doing for you right now? I guarantee one thing He's not going to say to you is that I need you to carry a baby that's going to be the Messiah because that one is already done. So don't have to fear that one because that one's already been taken care of. But he might want you to carry the message. He might want you to serve others. He might want you to minister in a certain way to certain people that have difficulties or struggles. But Mary was ready to serve the Lord. And there's no mention of Mary's parents or what they did to train her up. But somehow she was ready and prepared and we need to be ready to serve the Lord. John 12, 26, Jesus says, anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. You know, a lot of people say, I don't want to be a servant. But really, to be a servant of the Lord is an awesome thing. It is the best use of your life. It is the best use of your time. It is the most rewarding. It brings joy. But Mary was ready at that time to serve the Lord. Mary was willing to do whatever the Lord needed. Mary was willing to do whatever the Lord needed. Romans 6.16 says, Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. So Mary didn't know the details. Mary didn't have certain requests She didn't say, okay, well, here's the deal. If you want me to do this, I want a nice place to live because, I mean, if we're going to bring up Jesus, you know, he should be in in a really nice house and we can't afford that right now. So we need better housing. I need a cash allowance. If I'm going to get Jesus to where he needs to go, I'm going to need my own transportation, at least a quality donkey or something like that. And I need some guarantees. 
that uh, this isn't going to ruin my life or this isn't going to cause me a lot of pain. But she didn't say any of that. She just said, whatever you need me to do, I'm willing to do because I trust in you. You know, as you grow closer in the Lord, as you walk with the Lord, you grow in your trust. And you don't know how things are going to work out in the future, but you just trust that as you're walking with the Lord, that they will. And Mary was willing to do whatever the Lord needed. And as Mary was watching all this unfold, it says in Luke 2.19 that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. So she thought about these things. She just watched it all unfold. Can you imagine watching all the things unfold about this child that an angel announced and God had given to be the Messiah, the Son of God, and all of that in your life in amazement, watching it unfold? Probably terrified that you might mess it up. At least I would be terrified that I might mess it up. You're going to give me a perfect child and trust that I'm not going to somehow mess this up? But I believe the Holy Spirit can give you confidence and help and help you to accomplish whatever He calls you to do, to provide for you if He's called you to do things, to give you the right words, to give you the courage, to give you the right opportunities. You still have choices to do right and wrong. You still have choices with priorities and how you respond to things and how you pursue God. But often, when God has you in the middle of serving Him, you're much more likely to live for God and to walk in His ways and His will. Joseph was righteous and cared for Mary. Joseph was righteous and cared for Mary. Matthew 1, 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. So there was like a betrothal period. There was a period of time where they were considered married, but they didn't actually consummate the marriage for a while. Since she was pregnant and there was no reasonable explanation, the right thing would be for Joseph to break the engagement to divorce her. And that was a scandalous thing. could actually be stoned and killed for that. Joseph cared for Mary probably really hurt, probably couldn't understand why she would lie about this or, you know, Larry, you're pregnant. It just didn't happen. But he was a righteous man and he cared for her. So he was going to try to break the engagement quietly, not say anything, not do anything to make matters worse. But as he considered, verse 20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. He will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. So God worked in Joseph's life. For him to say, okay, this is really weird. Don't really know how somebody has a baby by the Holy Spirit. Actually, though the Holy Spirit probably revealed that to his heart, and he probably totally understood. So for me to say, well, you know, how is he going to know that? The Holy Spirit helps you know stuff. But Joseph was righteous and cared for Mary. He cared for Mary when things were hard, and he cared for Mary as he heard this unfold. And he was 
chosen. He was from the lineage of King David. He was basically Jesus' stepdad. He said, yes, I'm willing to serve in this way. Yes, I'm willing to care for Mary. Yes, I'm willing to do what I can to raise this child. But again, you think about, this is a perfect child from God and he wants me to be the parent. I mean, even be able to teach him anything? Do you? But he must have because Joseph was a carpenter and Jesus was known as a carpenter. So he must have passed that on. Joseph was righteous and cared for Mary, willing to be used of God as a servant. Joseph was a carpenter, and later in life was revealed that Jesus had brothers and sisters. Joseph was a carpenter with at least six other kids. Mark 6, 2-3. The next Sabbath, he began teaching Jesus. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. And they asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? And they scoffed. He's just a carpenter the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters lived right here among us. And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. So here I count four brothers and sisters is plural, which means at least two, so that's six or more. Anyway, you think about, okay, so Jesus was special, but he also grew up in a family with other brothers and sisters. It's like, wow, that explains Hebrews 4.15. that talks about Jesus. It says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. In every respect, which means that he suffered through the younger brother and sister stuff, just like everybody else, and even endured that temptation without sin, is the way that I read into that. But Joseph was a carpenter. Nobody, does anybody know what actually happened to Joseph? He kind of faded off the scene before Jesus began his public ministry, and maybe that was by design, but Joseph was a carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter. So Joseph was able to pass on the skill. Joseph was able to do what he could. There is no really mention of Mary and Joseph's great parenting skills. There is no mention of really what happened with Jesus' youth or his growing up or whatever, and I have a feeling that we're such idolaters that what would happen is, is that people would read into that And they'd be like, okay, this is our family plan too. This is how we're going to raise our kids too. Okay, when Jesus was this age, he did this. So I want my kids to do that too. So there's no mention of that for us to follow. But there is godly wisdom in the Bible, and we need to follow after those things. But the point is, is that Joseph and Mary were normal people that God used, that God called to be servants. And they were willing to be servants and did what they were called to do to raise up Jesus. And we need to be servants. Number five, Mary and Joseph struggled while serving the Lord. Mary and Joseph struggled while serving the Lord. They were poor. They did not have a lot of resources. They uh, struggled. And Matthew 2, 13 through 18 talks about one of the biggest struggles, and that is after the wise men came to visit, Herod was pretty upset. He wanted to find a way to meet Jesus so that he could get rid of him because he felt threatened by this, quote, future king. So verse chapter 2, verse 13, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death and fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. 
Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under. Based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance, Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. I bet Joseph and Mary knew some of those parents, some of those kids that went through that hard time. To know that your child was threatened in that way and that you had to escape to Egypt, all the difficulties that they went to. And then Simeon's prophecy in Luke 2.34 talks about how great Jesus will be, Luke 2.34. So Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him at the temple dedication. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. So Mary was going to see Jesus on the cross. Mary was going to suffer that heartache, but she'd also experienced his resurrection and she's also seen in the upper room and seen with the disciples after Jesus died on the cross and then he rose again. Mary experienced that whole thing. She went through the pain and the joys of being with Jesus all her life. What a great blessing that she had. Uh, there is a point in Scripture, though, uh, maybe it's, it's kind of funny. It's a mom thing, I guess. But she was concerned about Jesus, Mark three twenty to 21. One time Jesus entered a house, and the crowds began to gather again, and soon he, he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. And when his family heard what was happening... They tried to take him away, saying, he's out of his mind. Family intervention. Can you imagine Jesus, Savior of the world, trying to get some work done? His mom's out there saying, come on, honey, you need to come home and take a rest. Let me make you some, some of your favorite lasagna or something like that. Further down in the passage, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, and they stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. And Jesus replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Those people who serve me are. But temporary pain can lead to eternal joy. And with us, we go through difficulties, we go through hardships, and we know that God can use the difficulties in our life to glorify Him. And sometimes it's the way we respond to the difficulties in our life that glorify Him. Hebrews 12.2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting Him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now He is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Temporary pain that Mary went through led to eternal joy. The temporary pain that we often go to serving the Lord can lead to eternal joy. And we should, we should trust that we have a great future with the Lord. And when we go through hard things today, that we should trust and follow and serve and keep serving. Number six, are you ready to experience the joyful adventure of serving like Joseph and Mary? Think about, are there ways to serve? Are there ways to care? Even at Christmas time, are there ways to make a difference? Romans 12, 9, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. There's a story about Edward Kimball that many people haven't heard of. They haven't really heard of Edward Kimball, but he is a great example of someone who was willing to be used by God. Edward Kimball was a shoe salesman who worked alongside a guy named Dwight. 
Edward shared the gospel with Dwight, and Dwight accepted Christ. It was 1858, and Dwight's last name was Moody. We know him as D.L. Moody, who was one of the greatest evangelists in history, also the founder of Moody Bible Institute. Years later, when Moody was preaching, a pastor named Frederick D. Meyer was deeply stirred, and as a result, he went into his own nationwide preaching ministry. On one occasion when Meyer was preaching, a college student named J. Wilbur Chapman heard him and accepted Christ. He went out and began to share the gospel, and he employed a young baseball player named Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday ended up being the greatest evangelist of his generation. When Billy Sunday preached the gospel in Charlotte, North Carolina, it was such a great meeting that he was invited back. But when he couldn't be there, Sunday recommended a preacher named Mordecai Ham. Ham went to Charlotte and preached, but not many people responded to his invitation to accept Christ. But on one of the last nights, a tall, lanky boy who worked on the local dairy farm walked forward. Everyone knew him as Billy Frank. We know him today as Billy Graham. So Edward Kimball reached D.L. Moody, who touched Frederick Meyer, who reached Wilbur Chapman, who helped Billy Sunday, who reached a businessman in Charlotte, who invited Mordecai Ham, who ultimately reached Billy Graham, and it all began with a simple witness of Edward Kimball. And one night when my wife was young, she was watching Billy Graham on TV and received Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And if you think about your supporting role in your faith, God wants you to serve, and you might think it's not significant enough. I need, I need a title, I need a role, I need a position, I need an office, I need something, you know. If I'm going to serve God, it's got to be, I got to be a, like called a missionary or, or something. But no, what if it's you're being faithful with the people that God has put around you to invest into their lives, to invest into your kids' lives, to invest in the, with the resources you have, because you don't know what that person next to you, that kid, Uh, in your family, that person around you is going to become what God can do with them. Maybe you're the kind of Edward Kimball link in somebody's life that said, you know, I did this little thing to help this person grow, or I helped send them to Bible camp, or I helped pay for them to go to Bible college, or I bought them a Bible, or I encouraged them in Bible quizzing, or all this other little stuff. And you are faithful with this little thing that led to this bigger thing, which snowballed into, if Jesus looks back on the line of who's responsible for all this, It's you and your faithfulness. Watch this, and then the worship team will come up. If we're to believe the original miracle of Christmas, the whole world got a gift that was audacious and enormous and undeserved. And if those kinds of shenanigans are on the table, maybe I can also ask for ridiculous, audacious things. Like joy for my family. For my friends. For my neighbors. Maybe I'm allowed to ask for peace. For the person who doesn't fit in.
Thanks for listening. It would be great if you would let us know how you were encouraged by this message. We invite you to visit River Rock Church 10 a.m. Sundays at 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. You can connect with us, find more messages to listen to, and get resources to help you grow in your faith at riverrockchurch.com.